we need to make sure that we are building your nest egg as the owner, not just the cash of the business. We have to approach today as this is all that matters. And this is the hand I'm dealt. I'm going to make the best decision I can. But the more we look backwards, it's to our own detriment. Welcome to the Business of Sales podcast. I'm your host, Morris Sims. Hey, do you ever feel like you're working harder than ever before, but your business and your income, well, they're just not growing like you want them to? Are you putting in more hours every week and seeing essentially the same results? Well, I can tell you, I've been there and I've done that. I learned how to go from 30 grand a year and two weeks off to almost $500,000 a year and five weeks off. We know how to help you grow your business, your time, and your income. This podcast is all about helping you grow. We have top salespeople and business owners sharing their knowledge with you every week and a few times a month, well, I'm going to share specific growth strategies with you as well. So, hey, let's make it happen right now. Here's this week's episode. Ann Gannon is our guest today on the Business of Sales. She's the principal at the Largo Group. And thanks so much for joining us here today on the Business of Sales. Yes, thank you so much for having me. Oh, this is going to be a fun, fun interview. I'm looking forward to it. Anne is the principal of the Largo Group. I'm going to ask her to tell us a little bit about where Largo came from and about her growing up and becoming really a professional golfer. Anne, tell us about you. Yes, so the Largo Group, um, I started the Largo Group about eight years ago when I was, uh, my son was an infant. And um, the goal of the Largo Group really was that I had been in public accounting. I mean, I've been in public accounting 20 years now. But um, my journey so far had been, you know, bigger firms that really, you know, kind of stress billable hours and kind of getting as many returns done as you can. And, you know, my dad was an entrepreneur and I could tell right away that that really doesn't work for the business owner, right? That works for the accounting firm and they do well, but it really doesn't provide enough information for the business owners to be successful. And when things get hard, as in, you know, 2008 was when I first started in accounting, you could tell, you know, here's a crisis and nobody's actually helping these businesses make it through. We're just doing tax returns and kind of going about our merry way. So what I decided to do was try to carve out a different path to find a way that accounting could work for business owners better throughout the year to be a flat fee approach to where there's no surprises, but we're really on the same team, you know, with the same outcome of the tax return, but able to do planning and pivoting throughout the year. And, you know, our business model was, you know, kind of going along well and, you know, gaining traction in different industries. And then when COVID hit, it really proved itself because 95% of our clients did make it through and were able to make all of those important decisions in real time, whereas so many other people hadn't talked to their accountant, you know, for a year or nine months until the next uh, tax return season. And so I feel like that really proves that there is an importance to talking to your accountant, to working through some of the intricacies of your business, whatever the model is, you know, really kind of making sure that you understand your cash flow so that when we get to the tax return, it's all what you thought it was going to be. There's no surprises and you really understand what that end of the year looks like. And my accountant and I, uh, I mean, we're, we're friends on top of being business, having a business relationship and we talk about a lot of things. What's your relationship with your part, with your clients? 
Yeah, I mean, we really try to, first of all, understand not just where they are in their business, but where they want to go, right? Like you mentioned, you know, if you're a commission salesperson, that's great. But are you growing? Did you take on a new territory? Do you have, you know, 20% more, 50% more than you had last year? You know, it's so important that the accountant understands you know, what is changing in your business? What do you want to change? And that way they can provide so much of that planning and forecasting that's critical to making sure that you as the salesperson or business owner knows, you know, the tax impact of, of what's going on in the business. And is it is it not only taxes, but running the business that kind of comes into the discussion from time to time? Definitely. I mean, my biggest thing that I stress with our clients even, you know, before COVID, but definitely in the last year and a half is cash flow, right? I mean, it's really important to understand taxes, but the bigger thing is understanding fundamentally that the, in most cases, right, in most cases, the way that a small business is set up, your profit that you earn is actually your money. So one of the hardest things for business owners to understand you know, especially in those early days of 2020, when, you know, things just really stopped and there was no business to be had and everyone was on lockdown is all of those profits that you earned in prior years, that was all your cash, right? You as the owner. And what was said is a lot of business owners had left the cash in the business, you know, oh, you know, I only take out a distribution to pay my tax liability at the end of the year. But really that was, your money. So now when we hit 2020 and it's a terrible year and the business is losing money, it's really losing a lot of your nest egg. So what we've been trying to work on with clients is just a better understanding of your net income on your schedule C or if it reports as a partnership, S Corp, however it does, if it shows $50,000, that's your $50,000 as the owner. Now, if you decide to leave it in, great. But having that awareness that that's your money and this, just like if you had a job is setting yourself up for retirement and all of those other things that come down the road. We need to make sure that we are building your nest egg as the owner, not just the cash of the business. You know, and that's something that uh, I find hard for, for most of us who have been or are commissioned salespeople, fully commissioned salespeople, many of us, is remembering that I'm running a business. So what I get paid on whatever platform it is that my company's paying me, that's gross revenue. That's not like my income that an employer is paying me, right? Well, exactly. And I think that's where it's a really important to look at cash flow. I mean, one of the simplest but most impactful exercises is literally to just track your bank balance once a week for 30 days, every day for 30 days to really see after all of those expenses, right? Because you're always going to have, you know, your overhead expenses, your dues and subscriptions and your insurance, if there's rent, you, know, you always have those things. But like you said, you're paid gross. So what is that difference, right? On an average month without, you know, quarterly payments or bonuses or anything like that, on an average month, what cash do you bring in from this business? And the second part is that, is that enough for your lifestyle. Because what happens is then, you know, the business owner starts to run lifestyle things to the business. Well, then there's less cash that the business is bringing out. And we really don't know those differences. So we really have to look at what the owner needs to make and what the business is truly making each month and just making sure that those are in alignment first. So, Anne, tell me a little more about that. Are we are we more concerned about expenses or generating more revenue when we're trying to grow a business? 
Well, I think, like I said, I think if we can track your bank balance, we can st- have a starting point. So we could see, okay, you know, I might, you know, bring in 20,000 gross, but then I have all these expenses that come out. So maybe I bring in, you know, 9,000 net. Well, that's a really good starting point because the next thing would be 9,000 on average. Was that a great month? Was there timing? And when I received my payments in all of those things. So the more data we can have on our cash flow really will set us up to, okay, second question would be, how do I get it to 11, right? How do I grow it by 20%? Because a healthy business is having your net be you know, at least 10 to 20% of the gross, depending on the industry. Some industries are more, but really that 10 to 20% should be net of what the owner is taking out, right? To really show that the business has strong, healthy cash flow, you always want to have, you know, a 10%, let's say, buffer, right, between what the owner needs to make and what the business is actually making. So the first part is cash flow, but then like you said, how do we grow that. Well, I think it's both, right? We want to look at what we're bringing in in revenue. Can we grow that? But also our costs, like our overhead costs. Are there things that aren't in alignment? Have they gone up? Because we all know that the cost of everything is going up. So it could be that our cash inflow is less just because the cost of doing business has increased. Insurance has gone up, things like that. So the second piece of tracking your cash flow is then building a budget. Right. If I look at my cash flow and I say, okay, I brought in, you know, eight thousand dollars this month. Now I want to look and build a budget to at least understand how do I get that to go up a little bit or stay the same or plan out those itemized expenses so I then know what I'm spending. So as we're doing that, as we're examining our business and looking at areas for growth, salespeople, for the most part, those of us, you know, especially new salespeople in the business, that gross revenue number goes up and down and up and down. And, you know, one month is going to be necessary, is not necessarily going to be indicative of anything else for the rest of the year. How do you deal with those spikes of income or, or gross revenue, really, the spikes where this month I may have made $10,000, but next month I make 1000 Well, that's where I think a budget to really own the uncertainty, right? Because a lot of times, you know, in any business, it, you know, it's easy to say, well, you know, it's unpredictable. So what's the point of tracking it? But I think that you will find the more that you track it the more you will understand the differences and be able to prepare for them. Because chances are there's either, you know, seasonality, there's timing, like you said, of when things are paid, different agreements pay different times. So it's really important, you know, if we see that, you know, cash went up by 9,000 this month, but we know next month I don't collect anything because that's just the agreement and how it works, then we would want to be aware of that, right? Because those expenses come out every month. So, I think it's really important to build a budget, but be aware it's imperfect, right? Budget's not going to be reality. There's always going to be things we didn't think of that happen, but it does give us the peace of mind of seeing, okay, if, you know, things go to plan and if I hit my revenue number, this is really what I should expect to earn. And that's the impactful part of a budget. And and budgets are really, as you say, they're imperfect. They are just a plan. And Dwight Eisenhower, our former president, uh, I thought he just said it marvelously when he said plans are useless, but the planning process is essential. And I yeah. think that's kind of what you're saying, right? <laughs> exactly. Don't get mad when the budget is not right. It yeah. won't be right. But yeah. the thought process of it is huge. It's so important and really will get you thinking about, you know, some of those uncertainties. Cause otherwise what happens is, 
you know, we ignore it. And then it's something that we as business owners are stressed out about, right? Because you know, deep down, you don't know what the cash is. You just have all these questions and you don't know how to deal with it. Um, but putting it on paper can be huge. and It's really giving us peace of mind. You know, one of the things that I talk about a lot is focusing on those things you can control. And it's easy for us as salespeople, because we're interested in where that next sale is going to come from. It's easy to say, hey, I can't control that. So yeah, I'm not even going to worry about it. But in reality, this is one where you really got to spend some time thinking on purpose about your budget and on, on how you're going to handle the money flow of your business, right? Well, exactly. Because the biggest thing I think, especially in a sales company or in a sales environment is there is always that uncertainty. But the one thing that we have to understand is what we need to make. Because I think sometimes as business owners, we think of ourselves last, right? We think of the sale or we think of our clients or, you know, if we take care of our customers, everything will work out. And that's true. But we have to understand what money we need to make our life work. And what I see in our business, especially with dealing with our clients, is the ones that are really stressed about their finances are the ones that really don't understand how much they need to make, right? Because it's okay to make money. <laughs> That's the whole point, right? <laughs> yes. But we need to know how much money you need to make, right? Do you need 50000 to make your life work or do you need 75000 to make your life work? It's okay either answer, but you need to know that at a minimum for me to pay my mortgage and pay my car and all of those things, whether you've written it off or get in this whole tax treatment, I'm just talking dollars, how much do you need? Because if you need 75, but you're only making 50 and then you start running through, you know, business expenses just to get the cash, that's where it just doesn't work anymore. But if you understand like, okay, at the end of the day, whether I write off my car as a business expense, which is fine, you know, depending on the job, I need 75,000, you know, for the year, which, you know, equates to whatever it does, you know, for the month, that's a great starting point because then we need to make sure that the business is generating that because so many times the cash flow tight that we feel in our business is really some of those lifestyle expenses because we're not paying ourselves enough. And you know, Ann, I want to make, uh, I need to make like a million dollars a year, but I'm not close to that yet. So it's, <laughs> it, you know, we're, we're getting there, but I, I hear you. You got to start with a vision for what you want and what you need to be able to maintain your lifestyle, wherever that might happen to be. Well, and because then the next conversation that I feel like even fewer business owners get to is, okay, right, at a minimum, I need to make 75, right? We want it to be more than that, right? We want it to be 175. So let's say, great year, blow it out of the water, we needed to make 75, we make 175. This is that important conversation of cash flow, because the goal is that then we turn around and say, okay, I, my business need 175. How am I going to take that out? You know, is that a distribution depending on, you know, how things are set up? Is there tax I owe on that, right? Because obviously I made more than the 75, so I probably owe more in taxes. And how much of that can I move over to a personal savings account or set up, you know, a personal retirement account? Just do something to really acknowledge the fact that, hey, I made 175 this year. That's my money. Right. I'm going to deal with the taxes on it. I'm going to deal with, you know, the cash flow. And I'm really going to set myself up to end the year with that cash being in my hands as the owner. Now, there may be, you know, temporary like, ah, you know, the January, February, really tight months. That's okay. 
Maybe you do a temporary loan back to the business, but acknowledge the fact that that cash at the end of the year is yours and we need to set it away as the owner, just like you would if you were an employee and, you know, deal with the tax treatment of it and come up with a plan for it. But so many times business owners get so caught up in the, you know, I'm going to write off everything or I'm going to go buy a huge piece of equipment or a new computer or whatever, thinking about the tax, but for forgetting the cash flow. Right, that having that nest egg for yourself as the owner is very important because there could be years that aren't as great as this one, and we want to make sure that you're set up for success. And you bring up a very good point when we're talking about cash flow and and especially with taxes. As an independent salesperson earning a hundred percent commission, I'm not an employee. I'm I'm however they they set it up for me maybe, but the fact is, I've got to pay taxes probably quarterly. How do you physically handle that well? What do you what do you do? What do you recommend for your clients? Do I set up a separate account, throw money in there to be able to pay my quarterly taxes? What how do you re- how do we do that, Anne? <laughs> well, no, and that's really where that cash flow piece can really be important because it's a lot, right? You guys are incredibly busy. You're, you know, running your own business wearing all these hats, right? So to to say, you know, you're gonna sit down and you know, tie out your PL every month, that may not be realistic. But if you know, like I said, the cash in, right? On just using round numbers, last month I brought in 9,000, but the next two months are probably going to be tight just because of the way the billings work. So maybe for the quarter I'm looking at, I brought in 10,000. That's enough to at least do a preliminary tax estimate, right? Because if I took my tax rate, let's say 25%, maybe I use 30%, depending on where I live, um, and my total income for the year, I could at least say, okay, you know, $10,000, I'm going to use 30% just to be protective. That means my tax liability that I just generated is about $3,000. So maybe I want to do a quarterly estimate. Maybe I want to just move it into a savings account, a thousand a month to break it up. So it's not such a big dollar amount, but that awareness is so important because then it's not this huge surprise, right? It's not going to be the thing where you go at the end of the year and now you owe $12,000 because you made, you know, 3000 a quarter, but you've planned for it all year and you're aware of, you know, when you create more tax liability. Can you give us five things that, that we ought to be thinking about or three things, whatever, whatever comes to your mind, but give us a few tips, if you will, a few things that as business owners, self-employed individuals, we ought to be doing and thinking about what are those, those three or four or five things? Yeah. So I think, you know, the, the first thing is coming up with some scorecards for yourself, right? Because I think what happens in business, especially being the entrepreneur wearing many hats that we forget about our finances and our own business accounting. But I think what we need to do is have some sort of metric to really be able to see how we're doing. So if you're, you know, 100% commission sales, maybe it's tracking your commissions every week or something where you can set a very clear target every week. I like weekly because then it becomes more a part of your routine. If you do monthly, then the month end is a different day of the week and it gets lost. But I like weekly. So some sort of weekly commissions you know, weekly cash in the bank, weekly deposits, something like that. But setting up a, a scorecard for yourself for, you know, revenue you brought in, you know, maybe it's cash flow as a percentage of sales. So maybe it's, you know, 30% of my, you know, revenue in is what I want left in the business every week. But something like that's where it takes you five minutes to just track it every week. And then the second piece is, like I said, that 
tracking your daily cash deposits. It sounds silly, but it is so impactful. I have a work paper that I give our clients and literally every day, just go in and write what the bank balance is. That's all you're doing. There's nothing else you have to do with it. You're just writing down what the bank balance is. But on the sheet, it then tracks how the balance has changed for the month and ultimately how much you earned that month. And then the third piece would be that budget, right? How do we improve it? Because I'm sure there are things that you're paying for in the expenses, whether it's insurance or dues and subscriptions, education, all of those things that you just want to be aware of, right? They may be okay and they're, you know, what you want to spend, but just once a month going through your budget and seeing, you know, are there things I could have cut back? Could I have been more profitable with this same level of sales? Because it's so easy as salespeople to just say, I want more sales. But we have to understand for every dollar you bring in, what does that do to the bottom line? right? Is it 40% of the gross? Is it 60%? And that all depends on those expenses. So just reviewing your expenses once a month will give you such a good understanding of the best margins you have in your business. And maybe there's different margins based on what you're selling. All those things are just important to look at once a month. Boy, that's great. And thank you so much. Those are wonderful, wonderful ideas that we ought to be taking count and that we ought to be dealing with on a regular basis. Tell me about yourself and your business and or maybe what you recommend for your clients. How do you stay on top of everything? You've got all these clients out there that are looking to you for help and guidance. How do you stay organized and stay on top of all the things that you have to do every day? Yeah, I mean, I would say the one, you know, the coolest part of my day is that I get to talk to business owners. So I really try to always be curious because you can learn a lot. Uh, no matter what the business is, I think it's, you know, people who are entrepreneurial are just fascinating and they're always doing things different and, you know, finding new ways, more efficient ways. So for myself, I always try to just really make sure that I'm listening and, and learning from them as much as they're learning from me because our businesses are different, but our mindsets are the same. Um, you know, and then I think the other thing is just really being aware of their struggles, right? Because if you listen and you pay attention, and I'm sure the same is true with, you know, your business as well, really listen to your clients, you can kind of tell the things that are um, common ground, right? Like I know for COVID in the last 18 months, I mean, you know, you can just tell when people are really starting to get stressed out, whether it's cost of goods going up or struggle to find labor. And, you know, I feel like it's our responsibility to be aware of those things and really help and, you know, provide a listening ear. So a lot of our clients, whether it's labor, you know, the whole idea behind what we do is, okay, if your dishwasher is now making $25, your receptionist is now making $25, and they were making $15 a year ago, we just need to fix the budget, right? Like, there's nothing we can do that, you know, the receptionist, you can't find anyone to be our admin because, you know, now we have to pay them twice as much. That's something that's beyond our control. And like you said, the key is to find things we can control. So it really all goes down to, all right, well, let's build a budget because you know you need that person. So what does that change in your top line that you need or your bottom line if that's the new cost of your labor? And just by doing that, you're going to feel better than walking around saying, I can't find anyone to work for me. Or I can't, you know, because that might be true, but we just have to look at it, you know, in sort of an objective way. So taking out some of the emotion, but saying, if it's the case that my admin's now making double, but I need an admin, then what do I need to change in my model to make that still work? And tell me about 
how you manage yourself and all the work that you have to do. I mean, we both know time management is a misnomer. We can't manage time, (laughs) but we can manage ourselves. How do you, how do you manage Anne? Um, well, I try to compartmentalize, first of all, I try to really compartmentalize, right? So like I said, time with, time that I'm on the phone, because I'm on the phone a lot, that actually did change a lot in our model. I mean, pre-COVID, I was on the phone, um, but, you know, things were going really well, so nobody really cared to talk to their accountant as much, but the last 18 months, there's a lot more, you know, being on the phone, which is great, and, you know, I really enjoy it, but I try to, you know, first compartmentalize it to say, okay, if I'm on the phone for the next three hours, then that's great. Like let's enjoy being on the phone for three hours versus think of thinking of my to-do list while I'm on the phone, you know, and then just really try to, you know, communicate, I think, realistic timelines for our clients and coming up with ways to make sure that we're providing insight, you know, as quickly as we can with the understanding that, you know, there might be some information we don't have yet, but here's a preliminary weekly if you're one of our clients, so at least we can get the information back to you so you can make some good decisions off of it. Last question, Ann. Tell me how your golf game's doing. How often are you out there on the, how often are you out there on the lakes? Well, I mean, I have two little kids. I have a seven and nine year old. So um, I played a lot. You know, I played competitively all through college and then a year on the Futures Tour. And then um, actually when I went to work in accounting, I um, it was 2008, which was, you know, not a great time to be starting off in public accounting. So my original thought was, well, I don't really have to, you know, tell anyone I'm a golfer or it's just one of those things I did and and not going to mention it, but my firm was in uh, not doing well. And so I quickly realized that being a golfer meant that I could go network with the partners. So (laughs) it helped me a lot in my first two years in public accounting. And um, I really enjoyed playing amateur golf. Uh, I lived in New England and, and really did a lot of, you know, kind of networking on the golf course. And it was great. So I really realized in that journey that it, there's a lot of similarities in golf and business and so um you know now that I have kids I, I haven't played a lot but I'm, I'm hoping to you know play a little more now that they're starting to get into it but I can't tell you how many times in the last 18 months you know while working through all of the emotions of COVID and what it did to business owners that I drew on some of that because golf is a really hard sport and it just, you know, mentally can defeat you as much as physically. And I feel like there is a lot of similarities between that and what business owners have gone through in COVID that golf can get to you in a way where you just stop being able to see the next shot. And I feel like if you look at the similarities between golf and business, there were so many owners in the last 18 months that just couldn't see their vision beyond what had happened and all the news and all the negativity and it's all mental. So I think what I've tried to now kind of draw on for my clients, whether it's examples or whatever, is just, you know, we have to be aware of what our mind is doing and the fear and really get through it to make sure that we still see the vision for where we want to go because everything is temporary, right? Like, oh, eight was temporary. COVID will go away. And we just have to make sure that we that we still believe in ourselves and we still believe in what we're trying to do in our business. And I feel like, um, you know, that so much is uh, similar to how golf is. So after a couple of double bogeys, you better be thinking about persistence and the fact that you really can still come out on top at the end of 18, right? Well, and not just that, but if you think about it in golf, it's like, okay, you know, like my 
best example to my clients is I played in the USAM and I qualified. I was so excited. It was like the best deal to make the USAM. I got there on the first tee. I hit two golf balls in the water, which is horrible, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my coach had flown out from Florida to watch me and my aunt and uncle were there. My mom, everyone was there to watch me. It was the first hole and I hit two in the water. <laughs> and it was awful, right? But it was the biggest lesson in if you keep thinking about those shots, you'll never get over it, right? Like you have to stand on that next tee box and pretend it didn't happen, right? Pretend this shot still matters. I'm still in it. And I couldn't, I mean, I mentally, like I did not do well, but looking back on that golf tournament, it was like, wow. I mean, it's still all that we can control is the next shot. Right. And that's so true in business. Like it doesn't matter what happened in the last 18 months. It's awful. It, you know, we'll all have lessons from it, but we can't sit there and say, you know, I paid, you know, like I said, our, my admin, I paid her, you know, half of what I'm paying now. And my paper costs have gone up and I'm playing all this for gloves and all the expenses have gone up. The more we think about it, the more angry we get and there's nothing we can do about it. We have to approach today as this is all that matters and this is the hand I'm dealt and I'm going to make the best decision I can. But the more we look backwards, it's to our own detriment. And that's so true in the world of sales. I can't worry about the fact that that person did not buy. They didn't choose to buy. That's not in my control. I, I can't worry about that. I can't worry about the fact that Joe Blow called me two days after we put everything together and said, you know, things have changed and I don't want to do what we talked about doing. So can you cancel it all? I, I can't worry about that. I have no control over it. I've got to worry about those things over which I have control and uh, such great ideas, such great examples, such great uh, uh things that we ought to be thinking about and doing as we run our business. Thank you so much for taking the time to be on the business of sales today. Oh, thank you so much. It really was a pleasure. And for everybody else out there, hey, go out and make it a special week. Do something really, really special. Have a great time. And I'll look forward to seeing you again next time on the business of sales.